Thank you. I don't know what that was. That was nice, wasn't it? I love you. I could be like one of those pop stars. I love you too. (laughs) So that was random. Hey, good morning. Hey, I've got some other interesting news that I heard yesterday. And um, this is really a story of redemption. And I think we'll give this couple the opportunity at some point to to say some more stuff. Uh, But we've got wedding bells ringing in the air. And um, so you might not know who they are, but uh, some, many of you will. Uh, so Nigel and Rabina, why don't you just guys just stand up very quickly. Let's just give them a hand. They are. We just want to, um, why don't you guys just remain standing for a second. Um, um, this is, you know, this is, um, like I said, we'll get these guys to tell a story another time, but this is really how nothing is impossible with God. And, and when you hear this story, you will know, like, my word, can you come back from that? And it's like, it appears that you can. And so we want to just pray a blessing on, on the two of you and that God will continue to, to refresh you both and to sanctify you both before the Lord and to draw you close together in unity and intimacy that you've never known before from, from in the past. So bless you, grab, grab a seat, and we will, I will tell some more later on another time. Amen? Um, so that's a great story. It was awesome. So, um, so we, are, if we are in a series called Refresh, and um, today we're going to talk about this kingdom culture called honor. And um, I was thinking a bit about this, you know, it's a fascinating thing, you know, for some of you, when we talk about a culture of honor, you're like, yeah, I've heard this before, and I've heard this before, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, but there's so much more to learn. And then there is some of you walking in here, and you're thinking, a kingdom culture of honor, what is that all about kind of thing? And so what I'm, I was thinking about this was, you know, when we talk about culture, like something, when something is cultural, it becomes something that you don't even think about anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many of you brushed your teeth this morning? Like, okay. <laughs> I'm hoping you're all going to put your hands over the air. Right. That's funny. But how many of you used toothpaste this morning? Right, right, right. So that's a cultural thing, right? Like some people don't use toothpaste. Yeah? Did you know that? Like in the Amazon jungle or something. You might use like ash. Come on, Leanne. You've, we've watched this together, Leanne. Come on. That's my wife. But, but something, when something's cultural, it becomes just something you do. You don't even think about it anymore. It's just like, yeah, this is what I do. It's not even in your psyche, in a way. And so what happens is when we think about things like kingdom culture, what's fascinating is that we are not, we are on a journey where we are, if you want, it becomes cultural, where we don't have to think about it anymore. But we still have to get there. So it means for those of you who've heard this thing about kingdom culture, it's like, we've got to like cultivate this culture more and more, because it's kind of something that we are kind of growing and navigating and kind of learning, okay? And if for some of you walking in here that's new, I know there's much of faces here, you're like, what is this kingdom culture thing, right? What, is, what are you talking about? Culture of honor. And, and so today we want to make sure that in this series we are, for those of you who are, have heard this before, we're going to keep pressing harder, so we keep cultivating the ground, and then for others who are new, we're thinking you're going to step into a journey of this church, which is honor. All right. Now, I don't know if you, I'm skeptical about certain things. I'm kind of a slow adopter. 
right? Because what happens is, I don't know how you work, but when things happen, like particularly in the church, it's like, do people just jump on the bandwagon of things? And you think, oh, here we go. This is like the buzzword for the next couple of weeks or a couple of months, and it will fade away. Now, you can think that way when you think about the culture of honor or even kingdom culture, for that matter, right? But what I find amazing about what Jesus does is like the church is not a static thing. Like, you know, Jesus is molding, he's building his bride, he's making her beautiful. And so every now and again, and what's happened through the centuries is that God says, you know what, there's, a, there's something like missing within the church to make her beautiful. Grace needs to come elevate. And then it's like when grace kind of gets to like grow in the church, guess what? There's a discrepancy or a, if you want a deficiency in the world around us. So it's almost like grace in the world is a deficiency. And then what God does is, I'm going to build my church into this beautiful bride who understands grace. And guess what? Grace flows into the culture. It should. Or another way, it's like the kingdom of God. It's like suddenly the kingdom of God is like a deficiency within our understanding of truth. And Jesus, who builds his church, is like, all right, here we go. Let's start talking about the kingdom of God. And he is the one that's building and orchestrating things. And suddenly, it's not just one church or two churches. It's like the whole globe is talking about the kingdom of God. Because why? Because Jesus is building and molding his bride. Okay? Now, the reason I'm saying that is because if you are like me, I look at something and think, oh, this is the buzz thing for the moment. You could go there. Or you can go, I want to partner with what God is doing. Because you can be left behind, and then you die as a church, right? And so when we talk about culture of honor, is that when you go honor on the on the Google, you'll see that honor. It's like churches are talking about honor all over the place, and you could have the same attitude of like, yeah, well, here we go again. They're jumping on the bandwagon, or we're partnering with what God is doing in the globe with His bride. So that way, I want to listen. I want to be involved with that. Amen? So the other thing I was thinking about is like this culture that God is in. It's like, it's like John Tyson, he talks about this thing. He says, the culture of honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. It's like, it's everywhere. It's like everything flows from this idea of honor. And I'm going to explain to you about what, why I say that is the case. So what we've done is God first, is we've kind of got culture, and we defined the word honor like this. We said, it is releasing life by glorifying God, it should be coming up, and recognizing value in myself and others. That's honor, culture of honor. John Tyson, he says, honor is the recognition of the value, the contribution, and the importance of other people. Danny Silk, honor is the raising of someone's status. That's quite interesting. Raising of someone's status. And Paul Memoring, he says, honor is both the desire and the ability to recognize glory in others. Or whenever I recognize in someone or something the attributes, the nature or power of God, I'm beginning the journey of honor. So what happens is, if you think about this, like we talk about glory for a minute. God's essence is glory. He's full of glory. Whether you ascribe glory to God or not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's like, I'm glorious. I'm full of glory. Where you describe it to him is like ir- irrelevant. That's what it is. 
But honor is when you and I, this, we see the glory of God, the honor of God, the, the magnificence of God, the worthiness of God. And then honor is like, I describe greatness to that. I'm like, I line, glory is seen, honor is aligning myself to that. It's so like when I like, I just want to like, I align myself to the glory of God, and that is honor. Ascribe greatness and worthy. That's why in the Bible it talks about the angels and all of creation sing glory and majesty and honor. Because why? They've seen his glory and their hearts are drawn to it. And it's almost like honor comes out of them to describe. And you and me. See, so if you think about it, like, this idea of honor isn't just like a nice idea. It's like full in the Bible. Do you know this? It's like all over the place. So I'm going to just run through it very quickly with you. Have a look. I can't go into all of it because we'll be here forever. The Bible and your honor. Honor is your destiny. Revelations will come up on the screen. In Revelation, it says, every person, it says this, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and mighty might forever and ever. All of creation will one day describe honor to God. You and I have the privilege of doing that now, which we did already this morning, amen? Which is amazing. How's this? Honor is how the Trinity treat each other. Among the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is like honor and worth, and it's just full of it. It's like I outdo each other with honor within the Godhead. And we can go into that if we need more time. Creation honors God. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give them water in the wilderness. Honor God with our bodies, it says in Corinthians, about how we behave in a sexual way towards other humans. Honor God with your body. Honor God with your wealth. All human culture is to honor God, which is in in, in Isaiah. We should honor God ordained authority. Husbands, honor your wives, it says. Do you know in the first century, for you to honor your wife, it should be the other way around. Wives, honor your husbands. Because a wife in those days was like this tool, like a possession. Like she's just there to help with the family, to help with making sort of like the household. And here in the kingdom of God, turns it upside down and says, Husbands, you honor, you describe worth and value to your wife. It's in the kingdom of God, honor. In the family already. Children, honor your mother and your father. Honor your leadership, it says in Timothy. You see, what happens is, in the Bible, every aspect of life is covered by honor. Leadership, family, your sexual, sexual behavior, what happens in your government. There's nothing that, that hasn't got the honor, aspect of honor in it, in our world, in the Bible. Isn't that fascinating? It's not just like a, hey, listen, it's a good buzzword for us for a couple of weeks, and then we'll move on. It's like culture of honor should be essential to us. That's why I think it says honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. I wrote this down. A kingdom culture is only legitimate, listen, 
A kingdom culture is only legitimate and able to thrive with the presence of honor. You see, a culture where we want to bring, in a sense, live as people, take something of the heaven and live it out here on the earth right now, there has to be all kinds of ingredients. The presence of God is one of them, right? Essential. It's like grace has to be part of that. But honor has to be present to be able to have a legitimate place of a kingdom culture. Otherwise, it's just something else in this world. So, I hope you, hopefully you're convinced that honor is an important aspect for us. I wrote this, we are supposed to be gardeners of honor. You see, our world has an honor deficit. So when God raises this culture of honor within us as a body of Christ, not just so we can walk around, hey, you're so lovely, and hey, I honor you, man, you're so awesome. What's that? It's like it's supposed to raise the status of us as human beings, and then we take that status, we're supposed to take it out into the world. And what happens is, as gardeners of honor, we go and we rip out this honor and we put in honor into people. That's what God's doing. So, I've got three things. There's more things, but this is what I feel is on my heart about the power of honor. Number one, the power of honor is spiritual warfare. The power of honor is is spiritual warfare. The kingdom of darkness detests honor. Do you know the story of Lucifer? The angels are describing honor and glory to God. They are like, he's awesome, he's magnificent, he's amazing. He's just like, like, yeah! And then there's one angel that's kind of on the corner, and his heart is stirring. I don't, what's this? I'm honoring this. I want that. I want to rip that honor away. I want to take it for myself. You see? And what happens is in the kingdom of darkness, Lucifer is like, Their culture is dishonor. Anything that describes greatness or wonder or majesty about who God is or his creation, the mountains, anything like that, he hates it. He he says, what value? I want to rip the value from it. You and me, he wants to take you as a human being and rip your value away from you. He wants to dishonor you. That's what he wants to do. You know the screw tape letters. I've written this before, and I love this because it's just so C.S. Lewis. He's like, this is good, so you have to quote C.S. Lewis, right? So, um, but you know, in the screw tape letters, it's like these two demons. It's, like a, it's kind of like a story where these two demons are basically the one demon, which is Wormtail or screw tape. He's explaining to Wormtail how you, if you want, rip dignity from a human being, right? And we get insight, and he says this. this is all. He has a curious fantasy. This is about God. He has a curious, curious fantasy of making all these disgusting little human vermin into what he calls his free lovers and servants. This is letter he's writing. Sons in the world is the word he uses, with his inveterate love of degrading the whole spiritual world by unnatural liaisons with these two-legged animals. That's how the kingdom of darkness sees you and me. Two-legged animals, vermin. Unnatural led with his two-legged animals. He really does want to fill, this is God, wants to fill the whole universe with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself. Creatures whose life on its miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own, not because he has absorbed them, 
but because their wills freely conform to his. We want cattle. This is the kingdom of darkness. We want cattle who can fully be, finally become food. He wants servants who can finally become sons and daughters. Amen? We want to suck. This is the kingdom of darkness. We want to suck in, rip out dignity, anything that you, is worth of you. We want to suck it out of you. And he wants to give out. We, this is a, the kingdom of darkness is empty and deprived. And we want to fill ourselves with what we suck out. He is full and he flows over. Our war aim is a world in which our father below has drawn all these beings into himself. The enemy, this is God, wants a a world full of beings united to him but still distinct. Hey, listen. Unless you get missed this, like we are in a spiritual battle. And the kingdom of darkness wants to take your dignity and turn you into depravity. He wants to take your citizenship of heaven and turn it into slavery. Right, so. So a few few, um, weeks ago, I was asked to go preach at CityGate Church. And they asked me to preach on, um, on this stand firm about the, the armor of God. And since that moment, I feel the Lord's been showing me some stuff about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, in, and I think it works when it comes to the culture of honor. We're talking about spiritual warfare, power of honor in spiritual warfare, right? And so it says this um, in Ephesians, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord, church. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I think the Screwtape letters demonstrated that. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the blessed breastplate of righteousness. And then he goes on about this armor. And if you, if you come new to church, what happens is, he's got the, I don't know if you've seen this Roman armor thing before. You've got the hat and the breastplate and the sword and the shield and all that kind of stuff. It's got more stuff to it, right? And so as I was thinking about this a little bit more, I was thinking, what's fascinating is that when Paul talks about standing firm against the works of the enemy, and he talks about these different aspects of the armor, as an example, the belt of truth. It's the belt of truth is this thing that holds all the rest of the armor together, and the belt of truth is this, that I believe fully in who my God is. I'm completely convinced about who my God is. So the enemy might come attack me, but you know what? My armor, my belt is very securely fastened. So let me demonstrate it. So you know the story of David and Goliath, right? You've got the people of Israel. They are like called to be the promised people of God, the ones who are supposed to be light unto the world, right? They are put into this beautiful land and like, like supposed to be Canaan. They are supposed to have the kingdom culture of God on the earth. This is not a new thing, kingdom culture. It's, it's ancient. 
And they're supposed to carry this light into the darkness of the world. They were supposed to cultivate the world with God's glory, just like we are supposed to do. It's not new. And they stand and they stand there. And then one day, this Goliath character comes up to them and he walks into and he trespasses into their land. And he says to them, well, listen, who do you guys think you are? I dishonor you. I dishonor you. I dishonor you. I dishonor your king and I dishonor your God. And what happens is, do you know the story? They all fearful, right? They all like, yeah, God do it. And Saul, who's the king, is supposed to be like a super, super duper kind of Jewish king. He's in his tent hiding and fearful. And in my mind's eye, they lost their truth about who their God was. They lost their truth about who they are. And their belt falls to the ground. Do you understand? Do you see the picture? And then David comes, pitches up, little teenager. And he's like, uh, okay, well, hang on a minute. Who, who are you? Goliath? And I know who my God is, and I know who I am. And his belt of truth is like, nice and tight, we'll sort this out. <laughs> Understand? Got the point? Hey, listen, the doctrine of who your God is is not just an academic exercise, it's spiritual warfare. Don't ever think that just learning about who God is is like some academic thing. It's spiritual warfare to stand firm against the works of the enemy. Breastplate of righteousness is the same. So the breastplate of righteousness, which is what I want to focus on, it's like the breastplate of righteousness protects the vital organs, right? Your heart and your lungs. Now you, the spear comes through there, it's game over. And so what happens is the breastplate is like this, it's like this saying, Jesus says, hey, listen, because of my death, because of my love, because of my honor over you, when you give your life to Jesus, is what happens is it's almost like he comes and says, I'm going to put this breastplate of righteousness over you. Where you were in a place of depravity, I'm going to put you in a place of dignity now. Where you were in a place of no purpose, I'm going to give you now a calling. Where were you in a place where you were rejected, I'm not putting you in a place of acceptance. You understand? Were you a place where you were just like sucked dry by the enemy? I'm not putting you in a place where your emblem is the cross of Jesus on your breastplate. Right? Culture of honor, I think what happens is you and I are under constant bombardment of the enemy. Right? We are getting accusation against us. I guarantee all of us are sitting in this room right now believing a whole lot of lies about what my worth is, what my contribution is in this world, whether God really loves me. Does God really forgive me? Do I have any real purpose? Am I liked? And what happens is we are bombarded with these things from the enemy constantly, and it's hitting the breastplate all the time. And unless you hold securely strong to your identity before God, it's like your breastplate starts to shiver and starts to move around and starts to drop to the side and starts to expose your vital organs, right? And the culture of honor, when you and I honor each other, guess what we're doing? We're taking your breastplate and say, hey, let's secure it back again. When I come up to you like these guys, I'm just sit to down, say, they might feel a sense of insecurity about getting married again and all that kind of stuff. It's like my breastplate and just honoring them and saying, listen, 
God is for you, not against you. To let you see the perspective of heaven over a circumstance or a person is by taking your breastplate and securing it. I'm doing spiritual warfare on your behalf so the enemy doesn't kill you. Do you understand? Am I getting a bit excited? Am I making you uncomfortable? You see, I think that if we, if we walk around and you're like, hey, listen, I just want to say how nice you are and your hair looks good and well, whatever, right? Sometimes that can just be patronizing. But other times, trust me, even a moment like, oh, your hair looks great. That person, you don't know what's going on in that person's heart and mind, right? They could be walking in all kinds of insecurities and their breastplate is just like my identity before God is getting shaky and I'm not really sure God and am I even like the moment when you in that moment you just say hey I love you man I'm just going to describe honor to you you are awesome like God is for you not against you you have just done warfare do you understand we're not just like saying nice things or when somebody behaves in a way that's out of line with their identity right this doesn't line up with your identity. I'm not going there to control you and say, listen, sort yourself out. I'm trying to do, do warfare on your behalf. It's like David stepping up to Goliath and saying, you guys are all full of fear. Your righteousness has fallen to the ground. Your breastplate is lying on the ground. I'm going to come and help you secure yourself again. And sometimes we stand in the place, in the gap of our brothers and our sisters in order for them to stand firm against the works of the enemy. Amen? Is that right? <laughs> what, what's that? Appeal, appeal, appeal now. <gasps> Anybody want to pray? <laughs> That's funny. I'm sure I have something very nice to say here somewhere. Let me just find it. <laughs> See, a culture of honor isn't just, like I said, it's, it's, it's building this honor among ourselves, church, God first. And I listen, I know, you know, it's not always easy because we can talk about relationships. So I might make a quick comment about that now. But I really want us to elevate this idea that this is not just a nice doctrine or a nice little sermon series or a nice little jump on the bandwagon thing because that's what churches do. Hey, listen, if this is the operating system, no wonder Paul says, outdo one another with honor. There's no law against honor. You know that? Look, you can't do too much. You understand? It's like he said, outdo one another with honor because you are doing warfare for your brothers and your sisters. Like how much war, you can't overdo warfare. Because the enemy is not stopping. He hates you and me. And as we stand in our identity, we need each other to help me stand in my identity before God. That's the culture of honor. Or one aspect of the honor, culture of honor. And then I'll, so I'll make a quick comment on this. Number two, the power of honor forms in me Christ-likeness. So um, honor elevates our status while simultaneously keeps us humble. 
only elevates our status while simultaneously keeping us humble. You know, um, when Paul writes us into the Romans, there's Greeks, Greeks, Jews, and um, Romans. <laughs> Greeks, Jews, and Romans are in the church together. Right, and they got their ethnicity is like, hey, I'm Roman, I'm, we are the conquering empire, we are like super sharp in become a Christian. And then you're a Jew, and you're like, hey, listen, I don't know, you guys are like, not even the chosen race, we are the chosen race, so like, get over yourselves, or you're dogs. And then you've got the Greeks that walk around and say, we are the most sophisticated philosophers of the world, kind of stuff, right? And they drag their baggage of their culture into, as new Christians, into the church, and then it starts to divide. And our interpersonal relationships, it's like Paul says, I'll do one another with honor. You combat all of that silliness with honor. Okay, and we're not going to get into that now because I haven't got time. I want to make this point rather. You see, when I'm struggling to outdo you with honor, it happens to me all the time, just, just so you know. Fuck, that person's amazing. I need to go compliment them. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm, I'm I the only one? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go and pray in my little hole over there just now. But it's like, what happens is when I'm, when I'm like feeling like I don't, can't honor somebody else, guess what? If I'm alert... It's revealing a deficiency in me. You understand? It's like, oh, my word, Lord, what's going on inside me? My, my identity is way low. Because I should be able to, if I'm full of honor to God and full of honor in myself, man, honor is every, I can give it away without any cost to myself in that sense. But when I struggle to honor somebody, I'm like, it reveals in me that there's a deficiency in me. And then I go before God with repentance. Lord. So I'm walking around often. I've got orphan heart moments, man. Trust me. We are drunk and I often joke about that, don't we? Like, where I'm like, oh my word, my heart's just like all over the shop. You know, I should be honoring that person and giving them way more honor for what they do, not for who they are and sometimes what they do, right? And so what happens is the culture of honor is supposed to form Christ likeness in us if we are willing to. Be alert to those moments. So you don't just say, oh, I just don't want to honor that person and walk away. But you actually get to a place where you like confront that in you. So I've got something going on inside of me. And then before God, you ask God to help you and shape you in that. Amen. Okay, I'm going to see. Okay, I'll make this point. A, 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 A culture of honor that is deficient in you or lacking in you, this is how you speak to yourself. I'm better than you. Honor says we are better together. A lacking culture of honor says it's all about me. Honor says it's about us. When I have a deficiency of honor in me, I struggle to glory and promote others. See, when I have a deficiency, I struggle to elevate the status of another because I'm fearful of my status. It's a joke, right? You don't have any, how about this? In the, lacking, when something's lacking, a culture of honor is lacking in you, you, this is why you speak to yourself. This person has nothing to teach me. Honor says you are a unique gift. And I do that sometimes, to be fair. So when I'm speaking to, no matter who I'm speaking to, when I'm in a, in, in a, in a counseling situation even, or in coffee or whatever, the person in front of me, I'm not thinking to myself, right, I'm the elder, 
And I'm the counselor, pastor guy, so I should know all the answers right now. I, honestly, if you can get your culture on the right where you're thinking, this person, I'm going to hear this story. Man, and even, in, even if they come for help, I'm like, I can still learn something from this person right now. I mean, there's something in this person's story that I want to, to learn from and to adopt into my story or, or help me shape what my story is. That, that is how we kind of honor each other by this, this sense of like, hey, I, you have something to contribute towards me. If you have a, a lacking culture of honor in you, you walk around like, nobody can teach me. That's like, I mean, like, man. I, I hope this is not heresy, but I said this. You know the, the verse? <laughs> you know the verse, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and love your neighbor like you love yourself? So I changed it. I said this, honor the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and honor your neighbor like you honor yourself. The sense of like honor we receive from God and the more honor I have in myself, the more I am able to share honor out to other people. Amen. Right, come on, let's stand. And let's get the band up here. Thank you. That's very nice of you. I receive the honor. <laughs> so um, I don't want us to miss this moment. This is a serious moment here. Okay? So just, this is a holy moment. So just listen up. Don't disengage for a minute. I know, okay, just, just listen. If you're in this room right now, and for some are wondering whether you don't even have a breastplate of righteousness, meaning you're not even saved. Like you haven't come before God where God's like taken your identity and said, hey, I'm going to give this beautiful dignity over you and move you out of your depravity. I would love to talk to you this morning. Please, please, I beg you to come and talk to me about that. Or if you want to give yourself back to God in a way, please come and talk to me. You know, we would love to pray with you. We'll do it after the service. We don't do it during the worship song, but afterwards is a ministry team. If you feel like you've been dishonored, you know, that happens, right? And like I said, there's loads of aspects about honor we haven't even spoken about. And next week, we've got four preachers. On honor, okay? This is going to be really fun. It's going to be like short little mini sections on, on honor in our work and honor in school and honor in church and honor in another one, I forget, family. So we're going to talk more about this stuff. But if you feel dishonored, and then if you're living in a low sense of honor, that you are riddled with lies, or your breastplate is loose or lying on the ground, I would love to pray with you uh, afterwards. Amen. Because God wants to do warfare on you, and we're going to do warfare on your behalf this morning as well. Amen? Amen. All right, go for it. Thanks, guys.